Welcome to Micromobility, a podcast exploring the disruptive potential of lightweight utility vehicles. Using the history of computing as a framework, we examine how these technologies will upend everything we thought we knew about the future of urban transport. The host of the show is Horace Deju, founder of Asimco.com, and I'm his co-host, Oliver Bruce. All right, welcome back to Micromobility uh, with Horace Deju and myself, Oliver Bruce. All right, how are you going, Horace? I'm doing great, Oliver, and thanks, uh, thanks for uh, for joining us again. I'd like to uh, uh, tell everyone. Well, we're we're in the in the sort of the late summer, and <laughs> it's it's been a very hot summer. Uh, we've had a sort of a record breaker. I've been mostly in Europe, and and a lot of record breaking uh, heat waves here. And, um, and it, it, one of the climate change is real, Horace. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, one of the consequences of, I suppose, of, of uh, internal combustion, but it's also uh, actually leads a lot of people to, to cycling. I think it's kind of a, um, um, it's sort of like a, there's there's a silver lining here. Um, I certainly w- was witness to a lot more people outdoors in in, in especially in, in up here in Finland that we we see uh, kind of records every day in terms of uh, cycling. And the expansion of the the cycling um, network of bikes uh, simultaneously, I'm sure by now people have heard about the great uh, uh, boom in uh, in scooters uh, or you know kick scooters being used in in uh, in the U.S. So so yeah, that that's where yeah, we well, are. Yeah, over the places. It's it's uh, it's amazing to have watched the the, the development there. I mean, uh, I think in, in the short time that we have been off uh, between these recordings, um, there's, there's what, another couple of, uh, almost a billion dollars of extra funding has probably gone on, I would imagine. Right. And there's one thing, one thing has also been, um, should, we should point this out, that th- there are rumors or, or some, some verified data as well um, of, of certain pullbacks be, by some, some of the early movers, and in particular O-Bike, has been pulling out of Europe, um, and Obike is a Singapore-based bike-sharing system, very similar to uh, Ofo and Mobike, um, and also similar somewhat to early versions of Lime, and Lime is pivoting towards scooters because of their U.S. Uh, focus. And, and, and what's interesting, I, I've kind of always assumed that, um, that there isn't a single solution globally for a single mode of, of micromobility, that's why we don't talk about bike sharing as our theme. We talk about micromobility. So we, we're seeing the emergence of scooters sharing in the U.S., uh, uh, e-bike, in particular personal e-bikes in Europe, and, and shared um, uh, pedal bikes or regular bikes in China. And, and these are evolving in their own ways. We, we, might see, uh, we might see a bit more e-bikes in China. We might see a bit more sharing in Europe of e-bikes and potentially scooters. And we might even see uh, some transplants between these cultures, but it's in fact, we're seeing that one transplant didn't take off, which is uh, the Chinese model in Europe uh, that, that we, we, we've seen a lot of pushback and, and uh, lack of adoption happening there. And now this, some people oh, are- and you- in the US as well with, uh, Ofo has just pulled all of its staff. Uh, out of North America. That's almost. right, and and so this is some people would point to, and also there's overcapacity in China. We see the large piles of of uh, of disused or 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 d- uh, discarded uh, cycles in China, 
And a lot of this is part of over oversupply, abundance of capital, too much capital, in fact, and, and therefore too much money chasing, um, not enough supply of, of rides. But at the same time, you, you, one would expect imbalances to occur early in the market, and we are very early in the market. We're only about two years into this micromobility uh, phase, and you, in, 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 in um, coupled to this overcapacity or oversupply, we also have a huge abundance of new, uh, new, abun- new, new rides, new, new um, con- consumption of of the supply, and this is. Uh, this is where uh, you have to be careful in reading the data. It's uh, some, some, certainly been a, a rush of capital. Maybe there's the, the, the capital markets have something to do with that. We have a, we're awash in capital. And so a lot of money is now chasing what the story might be. And the story two years ago was bike sharing, and now the story might be scooter sharing. Nonetheless, these unlock a, an interesting latent amount of demand for these vehicles uh, or these these types of use cases. And with free float, uh, both in scooters and bikes, we're seeing uh, that uh, this technology of GPS coupled with uh, phones that everybody has with them, um, th- these, these, these technologies are not going to go back in the, the genie's not going to go back in the bottle. We're, 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 <laughs> you know, we're, we're definitely going to see plenty more I think as we go forward, and the assumption has been all along, that the vehicles themselves will evolve, the um, the business models will evolve. Uh, we're probably going to see monetization in new dimensions besides actually paying for the utility of the ride itself. And, uh, you know, we've spoken about this in the past, you know, what is the value of the data? What is the value of presence uh, and location services that you may have as you ride along? And one thing I want to point out is that what really distinguishes, in my opinion, the, the automotive alternatives to the micromobility alternatives for transport is, is a quite subtle one. Because I, because I was thinking the other day about Apple, and Apple's focus has been, at least we, we assume it's been in the car space. We haven't heard much of interest from them in this new space of micromobility. And I kept thinking to myself, well, why would or why wouldn't Apple be interested in this? Um, and, and let me argue as a sort of a um, uh, you know Socratic argument here, just both sides of this uh, of this debate. Um, the, the thing about Apple that that is impressive is their um, willingness and uh, focus on the user experience, their willingness to to evolve that and to create new new experiences. And and a lot of these experiences, as you know, have been either through intimate touch or the visual um, space. So you have screens and you have input methods either through an indirect mouse or touchpad Mm -hmm. or direct manipulation through touch. And these have been the giant leaps forward, the mouse and and the the capacitive uh, uh, screen technologies Whereas, and, and sort of they've been relying more on improvements in the screen technologies to deliver the information to users. Now, if you think about the, the car, the car has potential to drive these, these, uh, these types of innovations with input methods and output methods because 
the space in the car is really a little room, and it's a little room that goes places, and it's a little room that that uh, uh, transports its participants or its occupants. The so the, the, that's a wonderful space for Apple to re-engineer, and I think this is why they're attracted to the vehicle. Now, if you were to ask, what would be the advantage of UIs or UXs on a on a vehicle is much more difficult because on a micro vehicle you're you're not expected to be inside something you're on top of it you're on 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 a vehicle and the vehicle is going through a space and the space of uh, itself the cityscape becomes your visual input um, and and so you might filter that with a helmet with a heads up display type technology but fundamentally it's a heads up experience. It's an outside experience. It's not an inside experience. And this is important because on one hand, you might look at it as a technical person and say, well, there's nothing more I can add to that experience because, uh, you know, I'm trying to get inside someone's retina. I'm not trying to work on their, you know, pedaling skills or on their, you know, uh, (laughs) peripheral vision. I'm trying to just engage them with something other than the outside world. And, and that's the important sure. distinction. I think there is, however, a, an opportunity to rethink uh, the user input. So th- what, what is entering the, the brain, what is entering the ears and, and, the, and, and the senses, when you're on, in micromobility is the world itself. And the question is, what can you do to make that world more interesting? What can you do to engage people and have that journey be the most interesting thing about the trip? In, in other words, I'm not being very clear, but, but fundamentally... Oh, I'm just, I'm trying to get... So are you, if you, are you thinking in the sense of when you say visual input, is it, you know, are you thinking about something in the sense of like augmented reality glasses or something that would kind of take in and filter the, filter the outside world and into you, but in a way that allows you to engage in it and, as well, you pass through it? Without being too specific, I would say that's certainly an, uh, an, instance, an instance of that, of that, uh, uh, of, of that vision I have. But the, the, and then the sort of a bigger, uh, zooming out a little bit, I mean, the question is, when you're in a car, I think the ultimate experience is to have you be completely oblivious to what's going on outside the vehicle, right? The idea would be to be so engaged with the interior that you forget about the journey itself and it becomes, um, it, it turns into something that, that disappears, and and so you get in the vehicle. You're you're surrounded by by an escapism, and and this is this is I think the uh, the ethos, the idea, the core idea of a driverless car is that your experience in the car is so blissful that the the you don't need to worry about what's outside, and uh, what's outside is congestion, pollution, delay, uh, 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 rage, and anxiety. And so, you, you know, in a driverless car, you should have pure pleasure in, in, your, little, uh, in your little box, uh, the, 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 the room you're in. And, um, and I think that's what the driving function would be for designers. The opposite of this, which is a micromobility thesis, is like, why don't we make that journey be so pleasant that you'll actually want to extend it? So it's the exact opposite idea. The, 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 again, the idea of the car is to make the journey seem as if 
you're not in a journey at all and you want to take the journey away, you want to make that time in the car quote-unquote productive or entertaining, and therefore there is no journey. You're stepping into a space, you're having fun, and you're stepping out of that space and a new location. It's essentially a, a wormhole. Um, you know, you don't sense that something uh, happened. But the difference with with micromobility is the exact opposite. You want to actually make that journey as long as possible, as engaging as possible, because the world is what is being offered to you, and you ought to really drink deeply of it. This is this is the I think at the at the heart of the job to be done. The job to be done of the autonomous car, which would we can mean take it to mean the the best car the better car at least is again to eliminate the outside world whereas the objective the job to be done of someone on a, in a micro vehicle would be to make the journey as exciting and interesting as possible and possibly even make it so exciting that you'd want to have it be longer and in so doing you'll partake of the world more. And this is, this is I think, at the heart of what, the, you know, what a designer would sit and ponder. You know, what do you want to build into this thing? And it's not so much the vehicle at, at that point, but rather that how does a vehicle engage with the world? And when you talk to city planners, they also say things like cars are isolating, other modes are, are, are integrating. So in other words, the... the um, you know, when, when you traverse a city through, through other modes than the car, you engage more with it. So you want to make the spaces as engaging as possible. You want to have uh, new opportunities for commerce, new opportunities to socialize, new opportunities to, uh, to, to even, you know, slow down because there's something to see. And, and that's, that's the, this is the, at, at the root of the problem. And so when, when you have generations of people brought up on the notion that the car is is there to make uh, the trip as bearable as possible, you'd have to flip that on its head and say, how can we make the trip as enjoyable as possible? I think we're talking possibly a few years down the road that this realization will come to designers, but I think this is, this is where uh, the core distinction is, and not just about the vehicle weight and the vehicle specifications, but more about what is the job to be done of the journey itself. Yeah, absolutely. That's a re- I mean, I, I love that question. And I, I think that's where we kind of got to in the last in our in our uh, in our last episode. So I'm really glad you uh, you expanded yeah. a little bit on that. It it does really uh, like it does beg the question a little bit for me about what what will these vehicles look like? Um, or what what will a vehicle that is really enjoyable to have spent all this time on and that you really want to, you you hop out of it and you're like wow that was so amazing I just want to keep on going what, yeah or or, will, or next time look like? they, next time I may want to take a different trip because it was so much fun what I explored what I discovered um, and and so it's not about again it's it, it, it we ought to think more that the engineer or designer of the vehicle is really about engineering and designing an experience around the whole space that that vehicle resides in. And then that becomes actually a very difficult challenge because you'd have to say, you know, I, I, I don't have a brief, I'm designing, a, let's say, a bicycle. I'm not, I have a brief to design the space that the bicycle rides through, not even in the point of having lanes for it, but rather the shops and the, and the places you might pass by when you go on your on your trip. But that indeed is, I think, what will happen in the same way that the designers of the phone, the iPhone, did not anticipate the apps that would appear on it. 
but they, they created a platform upon which apps eventually came by the imagination of millions of people who designed new experiences on top of that. And that's how the actual platform grew. So the question is of the platform of a micromobility device will be what can people build on top? And what builds on top is not just the vehicle itself, but rather the environment it sits in. And so the, tr the transformation of the space around us will happen because people will see millions of bikes traversing streets and then will redesign the street to entice those people to stop and enjoy something along the way. That's the heart of the problem. And the question is only one of how long that might take. And so to follow this, this, this thread further, I would say that you know you're winning in micromobility, not when there are a certain number of, of bikes, and certainly that will happen, but we had a certain number of, of phones before we had iPhones. But rather, the, when, when the experience is that people who use these vehicles will be actually so new that no one has actually had a word for it before. So like we didn't have apps, we didn't have social media uh, in, 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 you know, in mass use until after phones came, became smart. Now, when, when, when these vehicles will, will come about, here's what I expect would happen, is that we would have uh, trips that people would take, uh, perhaps together with other people, to locations that they would have never gone before. So here's what I mean. And then and they'll have a name for these types of trips. And these are not trips that we take today. So, for example, uh, when the car came along, we invented something called cruising. So the idea would be you'd stay in your car and actually go nowhere, but in a circle or sort of go back and forth down a, 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 an avenue and, and sort of use that experience of cruising to to look at other people and have them look at you. I think that was the, that was the essence of that, um, of that experience. But we ended up with cruising, we ended up with, with uh, uh, drive-in theaters, we ended up with drive-through restaurants, so people eat in their cars, people watch movies, people then also socialize in cars, and you have all, this, all of these engagement opportunities if you will, in, in the vehicle, because it was that space, it was that room that moved. Now, on a vehicle that isn't a space, but potentially many people can participate, many people can kind of create crowds, who knows what we might emerge in terms of social behaviors. So the idea might be that you might have parties where everybody gets on a bike and goes to another place, and that place could not have been reached by car because either it's, it's, in a, it's in a location without parking or it's in, it's in a location that, that was, uh, uh, you know, uh, let's say not even with a road in front of it. And so people might get there and enjoy certain things. I'm just, I'm not very imaginative, obviously, but, but I'm just thinking about <laughs> what might people do if they, if they suddenly, you know, that's where the really the ingenuity and the creativity comes into play. And those software developers will enable these experiences. So, so now, for example, when you are using cycling for recreational purposes and you have a smartphone and an app, you know, you have people doing virtual uh, challenges like, you know, uh, King of the Hill or, or you're, 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 the, you're cycling in competition with others, even though you're not in the same place, and so these are these are obvious things you might do with an app and the, and the fact that you have a bike. But what might you do with uh, with with the fact that everybody's on a bicycle and everybody has 
or, or a, a, a vehicle that can go uh, almost anywhere and is very conformable. I think this is where the design and the interesting opportunities will arise in, um, in, 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 in this, in this micromobility. It's not just utility. We think about utility function, which is cost per mile or, or uh, speed for, for distance. Um, um, that these, you know, or reduction in congestion or reduction in CO2, these are things that cycling or, or micromobility supposedly will, will benefit the world by. But I think the true benefits will come further down the road when we redefine certain types of social norms and certain types of behaviors that these vehicles only, and only these vehicles can enable. We're still so early in this story that a lot of the propositions that are being made on the value of the new modalities, um, these micro-modalities, um, are utility-based. And yet, I'm certain that we're gonna emerge with more than utility and value defined in terms of how people use these things and, and uh, the the real the really big big breakthroughs in terms of uh, either business models that are sustainable business models that are defensible in other words a lot of people can put bikes on the street a lot of people can put scooters on the street and 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 maybe the competition becomes one of who can raise most money and do it quicker and somehow capture users and the same same thing with uber but at some point, uh, you have to ask, what are the switching costs for people to switch out of that? And is muscle alone sufficient to create a sustainable business? I think that, as we saw with phones and other compute technologies, um, the real magic comes in network effects related to, uh, to platforms and how the applications sitting on top of the very device, those applications are a collaboration between the platform itself and the developer, and um, and the collaborative uh, way of, of innovating that happens in platforms means that developers are dependent on the platform, and the platform is dependent on the developer. And uh, as as they work together, they actually unlock tremendous value and create new experiences. And this has been story of Windows and story of of uh, uh, of the iPhone and story of Android as well, and and, and sort of it, it tends to consolidate into several platforms that are competing, right? But not too many platforms because then developers are not going to be able to support very many at once. And um, but that's really the story of how money is made with computers. It's not made with the hardware. It's not even made with operating system. It's made with the platforms. And one one has to wonder that. These vehicles that become intelligent uh, at the micro level, uh, with their with their rapid uh, replacement rates, with their with their cycle time of, of of development, they're very similar to the to the to the phone cycle times. I'm sure that the, the emergence of platforms is the way to think about this in the longer term. At this point, however, we're so early on; it's like arguing about iOS versus Android, and it's 1995. In 1995, right. not only did iOS and Android not exist, but everybody was wondering whether cell phones cause cancer or whether cell phones, uh, battery lives, you know, uh, could, could be more than th a few hours um, and, and, and whether the, the, these things were things you stuck in your car 
as a, as a portable phone or whether you could actually make something that fits in your pocket. That's where we were in 1995. And, and, uh, and, and, and you know, it still took a couple of generations of innovations, both on the hardware and the software side, before we got to the platform debates of the mid-2000s. Um, and even then, the, the debates were about platforms that eventually went extinct, which included BlackBerry and, and uh, uh, Windows Mobile and Symbian. And finally, we saw the emergence of the more sustainable iOS and Android ecosystems that came about 2008 and nine. So again, uh, it, it, the question is, are those cell phones? Yes. Were cell phones invented in 2008 and nine? No, they were invented in many decades earlier and there were millions of users, hundreds of millions of users um, for, for decades before we ended up with that particular business model for, for, uh, for smartphones. So again, I, what I'm wondering mostly is as we see this transition happening in transportation, are the cycle times going to be closer to the phone cycle times or the PC cycle times or even slower? The PC took about 20 years between like, let's say 1976 and 1996, when we had the emergence of Windows as the sort of the, the, the clear leader in platforms. Um, so we had a 20-year evolution in the PC. We probably arguably had a 10-year evolution in the smartphone. So things are getting a little faster. But are, are, is mobility, given the fact that it's so infrastructure-based and so regulatory-constrained, uh, that will that take uh, uh, longer or shorter? And the, the exciting thing about micromobility is that it's flying under the radar of regulation mostly, uh, and, uh, and and rightly so. Uh, but it's also uh, uh, you know more device oriented, if you will, rather than the very complex value chain that is the car business. So anyway, that, that that's that's kind of like another uh, another perhaps hopelessly uh, uh, early view. Of the of the, of the space, <laughs> it, it is. It's, oh well, look, it's it's so frustrating. Yeah, no, no, it's 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 uh, it's amazing to hear you talk about this. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'm a fanboy for a second here, but just to like the the to give that context to it, I think is really interesting because I think in some ways, to your point around it almost being like just you know debating between Android and iOS in 1995. I think very much the devices that we're seeing today when you have the scooters and stuff, they're not really that intelligent, right? They're still kind of like dumb, right. but they're connected to, they're, and, and they're enabled the way, with some intelligence, but they're not, you know. In 1995, a very important thing happened, not just in the phone space, but in sort of like the, what you might call the, the embryonic PDA or, or, or the, embryon, the embryonic uh, smartphone was the PDA. So that was the year that the, uh, the Palm Pilot was launched. Um, and Palm Pilot was you know, a, a, a stylus-based uh, organizer. We didn't have a good name for it at the time, but, it, you know, you'd have all your contacts there. You'd have your calendar there. and It would sync with your, uh, with your desktop by just, you know, having this thing docking to a USB port. And, and it was really quite a revelation. Everybody wanted to have this pocket-sized screen device. And, and that was 1995, and, and uh, Palm did very well for a couple of years, and Microsoft chased quickly after them with Windows CE. And at the time, you know, I was looking at this, and I said, well, the future is going to be a computer in your pocket with a screen about the size of a phone or a smartphone that we have today. And it was so clear to me in 98 or so that that was the future of media, internet, 
communications and computing, but I just had to wait 20, you know, at least 10 years, and, and now we're 20 years after that moment when, you know, indeed we have a ubiquity and we have a saturation and we indeed have billions of people doing it. Um, so it's it just a question of when. And, and, and so what I'm asking myself is, is it 20 years for transportation to undergo a similar transition or is it possibly even faster? And the exciting thing with micromobility has been that, like we talked about, it's been two years uh, with with the launch of shared bikes in China. And then now we have one year under our belts since Bird launched the, 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 the shared scooter model in Santa Monica. And already we have mil- potentially millions of users. I mean, the data from China suggests that there are 400 million registered users. And this was a few months ago, by the way, and things changed so rapidly. Uh, 70 million active per day. I don't have scooter data in terms of how many actives there are amongst all of the uh, sharing businesses that are out there. It seems like the big ones are are um, uh, Lime and, and, and Bird. And Lime is pivoted to this following Bird. And now we have a few other entrants. Uh, I think there are five or six companies vying for licenses in San Francisco alone. Uh, Skip comes to mind because I happen to know uh, the, the founder of Skip as well. Um, and, and so uh, th- these, these great uh, ideas you know, are only a year old. I mean, I think Skip is six months old. I think Lime also pivoted only about six months ago. So all of this is happening even faster than the phone space did. Uh, we, you know, we took about, you know, how long Motorola flip phone, think about Motorola, you know, evolution to the, to the Razor and then uh, how long it took for BlackBerry and how long it took for some of these guys. At least it was five to 10 years to get established. And so now we're looking at, at months versus years. Now, we might go through many more revolutions in the, in the, on the way there, but I think this is where we're headed. So that, that, that's just yeah. one, one, one thought I wanted to come, kind of complete since our last conversation because I wanted to dig in into this platform. And I think as we go forward uh, with the show, kind of think through some of these, uh, uh, who might be the players. And, and, and the puzzle is, again, and, and again sorry to keep going, but... If you were to live in 1995 and ask what was going on in people's minds about what what the true uh, competitive battles would be, most people were arguing about how Microsoft would dominate the PDA market or not, uh, how they would be entering into the device space, uh, and they certainly had a, a strategy for doing so with uh, with their phone business. As late as ni- as early as 1999, they had a, a phone under development. And um, and what was the role of various other incumbents at the time, uh, from Adobe, uh, looking at their efforts with uh, with PD, uh, PDF, um, it, it, you know, uh, no one really anticipated Android or iOS, and uh, certainly. I was going to no- say, was was Google even? Uh, Google was founded in '94. Five, I think, but it's sort of, yeah, you wouldn't have picked it as being, uh, oh, yeah, these are going to be one of the two companies that are going to dominate this in, in, in 20 years. Yeah, uh, I, I was there and I was trying to, you know, I was remembering some of these these uh, political, if you will, arguments being made about who would dominate, even though some people foresaw the emergence. Of, remember, the debate was on Xbox versus 
versus PlayStation, the debate was sure. on, you know, are we going to have a large screen tablet? And there were some tablet prototypes out already. Um, uh, and, and so our ability to really uh, anticipate or predict this future was very, very limited. Um, and, and even 10 years later, people were still counting on, on other players that, other than the ones that actually uh, succeeded. So one of the interesting debates in transportation might be, how do we get from uh, the Waymos and the Ubers and the Lyft and the contenders today in transportation, who are they? Um, we have the OEMs, we have car-oriented um, startups, we have car-oriented incumbents, we have geopolitical uh, uh, orientations, we have Tesla, we have China, we have all these, we have the electric revolution potentially, we have the uh, sharing and, and uh, ride-hailing revolution, and we have the autonomous vector. And into this comes steps in micromobility, which looks like the weird, weird one. Um, and, and, and yet most people are not considering that as, as, a, as a real contender for how this might play out. But it, it's exactly like saying, well, the future, a lot of the analysts in the 90s were, were predicting that compute wasn't going to be PC forever, but it might move to game, game and set-top box. Like the, the whole debate was who's going to own the living room because the, the computer was not in the living room. The computer was in the office and maybe in the bedroom. But it, you know, in order to see the future of computing, you have to enter the living room. So the debate was, is it going to be a set-top box or is it going to be a, a, a game console? And, and that was... That was the and, and in order to uh, have a foot, uh, you know, a, a, um, uh, you know, a role in this, companies were buying up cable companies, and they were, you know, worrying about fiber optics and all these other things. And it, it, you see how how distant that appears as an argument. And now, yeah, well, it just appears to be completely irrelevant, right? Like, yeah, I, I mean, it, the, it's the, like. You, Set-top boxes, who cares? I mean, nobody. I mean, now we have streaming boxes and we have, we have smart speakers in the living room, but even those are not that interesting compared to what phones already established themselves. And, 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 and now we have wearables and we have tablets and we have computer all around us and we have Internet of Things and we have uh, smart appliances potentially as well. But the big story was it turned out to be iOS versus Android and both of those players came again quite late in the game in 2008 and 9 and uh and and so the 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 question for for micromobility is you know we are we're probably arguing the wrong question when thinking about big cars and 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 sort of thinking how that those technologies will sustain or perhaps slightly alter the economics of big vehicles but really the interesting question, I'd say what the focus of this whole show is that let's put attention on the micro vehicles, see how much dynamism is there. And then once we agree on that, then step into two steps forward in the chess game and think about what that means for platforms and who might actually pick up and run with that. Because if everybody is now, here's the thing is like, OK, I could I could I could say Google is misapplying their resources looking at at autonomy in cars. I mean, it, it's a good thing to do autonomy in cars, but it's not going to be the platform of choice, in my opinion, for for uh, for the vehicles of the future. I think cars are are too slow, 
literally uh, in terms of evolving uh, themselves to be to be appropriate for the future. And and so micro vehicles are going to come from below and and disrupt them. Now, could Waymo slash Google slash Alphabet pivot and say, okay, in, in three years from now they'll realize, wow, there's a hundred million of these things on the streets, and we're still trying to get like thousands of cars in in using our 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 uh, intelligence. So shouldn't we be refocusing on these hundreds of millions instead? And that could happen. The same thing could happen with Apple when they'll realize hang on a second, we've spent 10 years and $10 billion trying to make a great uh, living room on wheels. Maybe people don't want to sit in their living rooms anymore uh, when they're traveling. And, and that, again, could cause a pivot. Um, and maybe, maybe the future platforms of mobility will be still iOS and Android. But that's, again, asking similar question. Why would Microsoft win in mobility, or I should say in smartphones, when when you know, they couldn't make the pivot uh, happen from PCs. Um, you know, they can't carried on in new ways, and, 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 and certainly that, that, they're, that doesn't mean they disappear, but it's like they missed that transition. So, again, this is the debate going forward. Um, will, will the platforms of mobility really be from the incumbents in, in, um, in the phone space, or will, will, will we see uh, new entrants coming in? Cool. Excellent. Well, look, uh, I'm aware we kind of got a, a little bit sidetracked on on what we were originally going to discuss. But uh, did you want did you want to um, head back over and, and look at the uh, the the modal competition and how and how uh, yeah, you're thinking I think about three in cities? Maybe we should s- set it up for the next call so that the 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 thing that I've been actually thinking most about because um, I've actually we've got a pub. Uh, I shouldn't necessarily say this out loud but we you know i'm i'm co-author on a paper that was submitted uh together with uh eth which is a swiss uh a swiss university uh, and we we wrote this paper to describe the potential competition between uh shared uh e-bikes uh and and public transit and it's a very narrowly defined paper in terms of showing how to measure the uh the potential substitution of one mode versus another. And so that got me to think about what happens when micromobility modes uh, begin to compete with uh, existing modes. And so the, the idea there, so here, here's where I want to step back a bit. Imagine a world that existed before we had all this choice in transportation where we only really had either walking or maybe uh, uh, you know, an animal that we could ride on top of. And so this would be, let's say, 200 years ago, um, where really your choices were maybe riding in a wagon uh, on top of a horse or walking. There were really no other choices for transportation. And then the railroad came, and it, this was the first sort of mode of transport that was introduced, and that was very big revolution. Um, and so we ended up with, oh, and I'm, I'm forgetting, of course, uh, sea-based transport, but let's stick to the land for a minute. So you had the introduction of a new mode. Now, when you see a train, you, you don't think I'm going to substitute walking for it because maybe some people did walk journeys for 20, 30 miles and they were glad to see a train, uh, uh, you know, take that, uh, t- take that role. But mostly people didn't walk 20, 30 miles. They just, this new possibility emerged, and so they... It created a new demand for trans- transport long distance, um, and so people traveled more. 
and traveled further. And so, so when you look at a new mode introduction into a, a space, into, let's say, a country like France or England, and suddenly people are, uh, uh, this, this new mode is just, uh, uh, is it competing or is it expanding the market? And I think tra uh, the, the option of a train did not really compete with walking. Um, it may have competed with stagecoaches, which were very rarely used, but, but it ended up really creating new consumption. Now into this space, and then now we're talking about 1830s, 40s, and 50s, when, the, when rail began to take off worldwide, um, and, then, and then the automobile starts to really take off in the 20th century, and suddenly you have a th this new mode introduced yet in, again into the middle of this. I should say that cycling also came in before the car, and that also kind of prompted the car in many ways. But let's say this, this city that was built around rail transport and walking suddenly gets a new thing in the middle of it, and that's the car, and suddenly you have to rethink how and what journeys people make. And, um, and so you have, you have an infrastructure question, but you also have uh, uh, how people live and housing question. The suburbs are created and many other things as well. And the, the, the vehicle changes its landscape as a result. Now, we already talked about this, the fact that transportation makes, makes a geography or makes uh, certainly the topography of, of cities. Um, but what, we, what I'm thinking now is, you know what happened after the car we also got the bus we got the um, uh we got the the, the certainly the uh trucks and other forms that you know were cargo based but but people could slice the transport problem into many many more pieces once you get motor, motorized personal transport but into this comes yet another and this is where i think this is the this is the the question we should answer next time is what happens when you throw into this mix, we have four or five different modes available. You have your subway and you have your bus and you have your walking. And this is urban, by the way. Uh, if you if you go ex-urban, especially uh, U.S. or Western markets, you essentially only have one mode, which is the car. And, uh, and yeah. so you throw in something to that and it might, it might change. But I think most micromobility now is is not, not really competing in exurban, but in urban environments. And urban environments are well served with transport. You would think, therefore, that if you threw in a new mode, it wouldn't find many takers because you already have options, right? Taking a new mode, it would be substituting against something else. And in many cases, as people have argued with me on Twitter, these, uh, this, this new mode is actually worse. You have to pedal or you have to work and it's, you're exposed to the elements and all these other things. Who would want to do cycling when you have the car? Well, a lot of reasons. One, the car may actually be, be uh, suffering from too much of it. So you know, have congestion and you have inverse network effects, which means that the more cars there are, the worse the experience gets and the worse the value of the individual car gets, as opposed to positive network effects where the value of the network increases, typically logarithmically, as the number of nodes increases. Well, traffic is the opposite. It says that you know, transportation uh, infrastructures or vehicles uh, suffer from in, in negative network effects, so the value diminishes logarithmically the more of you there are. Now, so then you introduce a mode that sort of saves you from some of that pain. Um, um, and, and, and I don't think, by the way, this is why the argument for self-driving uh, doesn't solve the inverse effects of, of transportation. It might numb you to some of the pain, but it, it, you're, you're still going to end up probably even ex, you know, 
causing even yeah, more yeah. negative you're still, effects. You're still stuck in a traffic. And thing, you're going to yeah, have more and more. Yeah. yeah, and and so you, you'll you'll take you'll take more more and more drugs essentially to to dull the pain. That's what it ends up as. Now, point. So here's just trying to get to the chase here. So the the point is that the um, the question is. Does the new mode, number one, really compete effectively because it is better in some direction, um, either through uh, availability, uh, speed, or utility? Or, and this is back to the railroad question, does it actually enable you to take the journeys that you wouldn't have taken before? Because the car was, uh, was the option, or the transit was the option, but it was limiting you. And now suddenly this freedom vehicle comes in, which is what the car promised in the first place, um, th that the new micro vehicle is actually a, a source of freedom because it creates opportunity for you to travel where you might not have traveled before. And, and, and so this is, this is at the heart of the problem. And so the, the paper and, and my whole question of analysis here is how do we measure a priori in advance the, the potential competitiveness of a new mode in a given context, and which means in a given city. So it's, of course, going to be different by city. It's going to be different by mode. But we're going to see, and I'm not exaggerating, probably a dozen new modes emerging in the next few years. And we've seen them already in a few cases, right? We have, this, as I mentioned, the scooters, the bike, and the e-bike. And these are going to be either docked or undocked, uh, shared or personally owned. So already you have in that matrix already many options, right? But then we might see beyond this, we have a very micro vehicle in a scooter, sort of a mini vehicle in a, in a bike, um, and sort of a little bit heftier e-bike. And potentially beyond the e-bike, you might have a three or even a four-wheel alternative. And so we call these the quads. And so you have tiny to sort of medium size, all of them below the threshold that I said arbitrarily to be 500 kilograms. And so all of these modes, and innovators will come with these modes and figure out what are the economics, how can I price this, how can I create experiences, how can I fit this into the infrastructure, how can I be compliant with regulation, or how can I have new regulations. And all these will happen very quickly, again, because the enabling technologies and batteries and computers are commodities already. And, and so putting these together is not a giant uh, uh, research project. It's going to be just on-the-shelf stuff reassembled. And so once we have a dozen, perhaps 20 different kinds of modes, we're going to see a sort of a Cambrian explosion of modality. Now, never mind that mm. do I have the choice of taking the car or the train. No, it'll be the choice of having 20 different things that you can take. And by the way, they'll all be accessible because they'll be outside the door in some way or very easy to get to, even taking one to another. So you have sort of a seamless multimodality where you take one vehicle to another vehicle to another vehicle to complete your journey. And if you have a ticketing system that allows you to, to sort of hop between these things without any friction, then boom, you're going A to B in a very interesting way. Now, yes. and, you know, this is what I want to get into, is like, how can we do this in advance? How can we you know, anticipate the impact in a city? And, and, and it's, uh, I have some hints. I think, I, I think there are ways of measuring the attributes of these vehicles and the way they might be used that allow us to predict this. And that, that's what I'm saying now, is that I'd love to get into that in the next, <laughs> in the next talk. Um, 
Uh, yeah, you're definitely wetting the appetite there, Horace. This is um, this is really exciting stuff. I mean, the, yeah, I uh, look. I think we'll we'll wrap it up there, and um, and with that, we'll 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 hopefully be back in um, in, in not too long a time uh, with with a new episode uh, covering all those things. Excellent. That sounds that sounds great. Thanks for taking the time here and listening to listening to us on this new micro mobility topic that we're so excited about. <laughs>